You're listening to the Art Town Reno podcast with KWNK LP 97.7 FM in Reno, Nevada. On today's episode, Christopher Conway explains how and why he's setting up the National Foundation for Adult Victims of Childhood Trauma here based out of Reno, a place in need of many more mental health resources. Conway also addresses dealing with what he calls Dr. Bullying. I'm Nico Columbus, the coordinator of Art Town Reno, which includes this podcast. Our reporter for this episode is Kinkini Sengupta. First, a word from our sponsor, and then back to this week's episode with Christopher Conway. Welcome. Hello. We are the Reynolds Media Lab. Media Lab. Podcasts. Client services. Special projects. Documentaries. We are a production center at, at the, the Reynolds, Reynolds School of, of Journalism. Journalism. The Reynolds Media Lab. Media Lab. Media Lab. Welcome. This is a podcast for Our Town Reno, and this is me, Kinkini Sengupta. Today, we are talking to Christopher Conway. Christopher, hi. How are you today? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, tell us about yourself. Tell us where you are. Who are you with? Tell us. Tell us more. Sure. Sure. I'm with the National Foundation for Adult Victims of Childhood Trauma. It's a foundation that I put together last October. Um, and I'm here with my service dog, Sammy, who's been with me for seven years. Mm-hmm. Awesome guy. He's Mr. 24-7. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Christopher, tell us about yourself. Tell us why you started the foundation. Tell us a little about who Christopher is as a person, why he started the foundation. What is it that you want to talk about in terms of the awareness that you're trying to bring all of that. Give us context about who you are and what is it that you're that, that you're here for today. Thank you. I appreciate that question. Um, a while back, I faced my own childhood traumas, and I noticed it made life a little complicated. Um, I became a therapist so that I can work with other adults who face childhood traumas who haven't dealt with them. You know, the importance of mental health is is so great that you know we can brush along the surface of it and we could treat depression with medications and some therapy we could treat other mental health conditions and sometimes we can put band-aids on them what i found is that in working with adult victims and childhood trauma if we can get down to those traumas and try to isolate those triggers, I call them trauma triggers, which most of them is falls down to rejection, betrayal, and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, when we can go back to those, we can recapitulate or bring back using the knowledge that we have now uh, to those events and kind of reconstruct cognitively a better understanding on those events and hopefully relieve those triggers. Um, a lot of the issues that I've come across personally uh, with myself is relationship problems, um, substance abuse. I faced my own substance abuse. I faced uh, near homelessness, social displacement. Um, but I was able to crawl out of it and find ways, new new modalities, uh, different type of therapy I call trigger response therapy mm-hmm. that seems to be very, very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing this, I 
found that I looked for obstacles for people to get help. One of the obstacles was uh, payments. So a lot of insurances, it, things fluctuate with insurance companies. We, I, I'm not sure how many people went out there to try to get a therapist and mm -hmm. either they accept this insurance or they accept that or they don't. Yeah. Some are cash pay. Uh, so what I did was I self-funded the foundation and I made it so that we do not charge at all for any client services, direct client services, whether it be therapy, group sessions, relationship interventions, life interventions, whatever we do directly with the clients, we don't charge at all. Okay. Um, one way that we look for is corporate sponsorship or partnerships with other agencies that would like to follow uh, our, I don't know, our belief or mm -hmm. the way that we would like to serve our community. Okay. Yeah. Tell us, Christopher, why did you... So we know that you have faced an, an amount of stuff as a child. Mm -hmm. We don't want to go into too much details of that, but because which is why you decided that it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to address those. And you want to help millions of other people probably eventually, eventually. by if, eventually by trying to help those one or two people that you've started to help um, within the. So first, first of all, how many years or months has it been that you? If you've been doing this and why did you start it in the first place? Mm -hmm. What what made you think that um, this is the reason why I want to do this and help others kind of? I feel, you know, I, I got into it. I tell everybody, my clients, is that as therapists, we have to qualify to be a therapist uh -huh. and not so much just in education, but through life experiences and making it through and having a clearer understanding uh, then it becomes a responsibility. Yeah. I think this is that life isn't an entitlement. It's a responsibility. Yeah. Um, and I've had my own bad experiences with therapists uh, and also medical practitioners that the heart doesn't seem to be there. The therapeutic responsibility wasn't there. And I just seen people and even myself kind of get misled a little bit by the medical community. Okay. Um, so I take my foundation in my work very, very serious that it is a responsibility. You know, the universe, my creator, call it what you like, but we're spiritually based, uh, and that's for a reason as well, because some of the things that we do, we couldn't do it without, without some divine intervention. Um, my mission statement stands firm is that, you know, it's simply complex, but we want to relieve as much suffering as possible yeah. while creating opportunities for miracles to happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We don't create the miracles, but we would love to create opportunities, you okay. know. So your organization has been there for how long? We, I founded the foundation last October, mm -hmm. and we've been working directly, well, it's been mostly me working with clients uh, for the, since last October okay. with the foundation. And, you know, like I said, all services are at no charge to our clients. Okay. You were saying something about the age of 46 when we were talking about it sometime back, and yes, you said that's when you decided that ah. you're going to start doing what you want to do and love to do. Tell us more about that. Okay. So I was in the corporate world for, for a while, got into manufacturing, was able to travel, did some international sales. Uh, I found out that uh, I was ego-driven. 
You know, I was in spiritual conflict, moral conflict. I was drinking a lot, uh, had relationship problems. Um, luckily, the last job I was at, I was laid off, and uh, I had a hard time finding a job. And so what I did was I ended up getting sober in 2009. I did some personal interventions with people. I did adversity coaching for about 16 years. So I thought I would get an AA in drug and alcohol counseling. Uh, so at 46, I went to school with no high school diploma. Um, I had d d dyslexia, mixed receptive language disorder, and ADHD. And now we're talking about creating opportunities for miracles to happen. Mm -hmm. So I went to go get my AA, and I ended up with three psychology degrees and one philosophy de degree. And uh, I made a, you know, uh, a deal with my creator, and I said, hey, you know, you get me through this, uh, I'll dedicate the rest of my life to to serving you know, humanity to my brothers and sisters. So that's that's what I did. I moved here from Hawaii in uh, December 17th in 2021. Mm -hmm. And then that following October, I started the foundation. And so here we are. Okay, awesome. Uh, tell me, Christopher, what are the challenges that you faced in the way? What are the kind of issues that happened that you are looking at addressing so that you can do this work better? Some of the issues, you know, we face is the the hardest one is the stigma behind childhood traumas. You know, I it was a few years back we started to normalize mental health. And and that's great because we should, because it's that common and it needs to be addressed. I think we need to normalize childhood traumas, um, and put it out there. And, and work on them, not be ashamed of them. They're very, very common. Four out of five adults have faced some. Three out of five have faced severe childhood traumas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're talking about sexual abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, things that change us. It changes the way we view the world. And when we grow up, we try to navigate it with the coping skills that we have, and we don't become very successful. Mm -hmm. You know, we have outcomes that we work on. Uh, so the foundation... I have three three outcomes on my bucket list that I want to work on, and one is um, relationships and domestic violence. Other one is social displacement, and then substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, in the in the in the way that you were like putting all of this together, and you were bringing people in. What are the challenges that you face there in terms of probably monetary challenges or people not being a part of your process or mm. not having the the kind of, um, uh, what do you call it, the kind of faith that you have in this whole system? Is there anything that you face like that? Because I know we've talked about this before and I want you to get yeah. at it. So tell us more about that. Yeah. Uh, some of the challenges actually in, in getting this thing started is – Finding therapists to volunteer because right now I'm, I'm self-funded and um, I have a lot of clients out there, a lot of people that need help, uh, especially working with childhood traumas. And we only deal with childhood traumas and finding therapists to volunteer, uh, I've had a hard time with that. The other thing is I've been self-funded uh, for the last year. And uh, so I'm about ready to look for corporate sponsors. Uh, would like to find partnerships with other clinics as well to work with uh, 
trigger response therapy and the different types of programs that we have. You know, I spent the last year developing, I think, four or five different programs that revolve around outcomes of childhood trauma. And I really would like to get those off the ground, but it takes support, you know, both monetary and um, with volunteers as well. So that would be a tremendous help if, if we can pull somebody in. We'll get back to our episode shortly, but first a word from two other podcasts in Reno you should subscribe to as well. Do you want to keep up on what's happening in the local art community? Double Scoop always has the scoop on that. Want to know which exhibitions, parties, and other art events are happening this weekend? Follow us on Instagram at DoubleScoopNevada and listen to KWNK 97.7 FM for our Short Scoop Art Events Roundup. If you're an artist and you're looking for places to show your work, we have lots of opportunities listed right now. To find them, visit doublescoop.art slash events and filter for Call for Artists. If you'd like to follow all of our art news and meet local artists, you can sign up for our email lists at doublescoop.art. Do you like podcasts? Well, we have a podcast from you. This is Sean from Up in the Mix. This is Delafoto. Do you like to get into a random wormholes of conversation? Do you like to learn about the culture from sneakers to hip-hop music to basketball? Then we have a podcast just for you. We have one called Up in the Mix. It is available on all streaming platforms from Spotify to Apple. Check us out, upinthemix.live on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Salud! Um, let's go on to talk about other things, um, Christopher, and I am so glad that we are talking about this today because it is important. Sometimes these are things which are just like kept inside the closet and we know that it's there, but we don't address it as much. And then that is the reason that these things have implications on our life. Um, but, you know, we were talking about other things like uh, facing issues that you faced in terms of your organization with doctors or uh, bigger organizations. Uh, it's okay if you don't want to name anyone, but we can talk about how those those experiences has affected your foundation and has affected your journey so far. Yeah, I, I, I would like to, because I, I think it's very important to address Dr. Boleyn. Um, one of the things that I guess I'm prone to it or a target to Dr. Boleyn, because I'm a little gifted and I can't really keep my mouth shut when I think something is wrong or somebody's feeding me shuck and jive, mm -hmm. right? So when I started to get sick back in 2014 with autoimmune issues, um, I was diagnosed with something very rare called autoimmune encephalopathy. And it was so rare that other doctors wouldn't believe that I had it. And so I started to go into this repetitive stuff of seeing a doctor and being belittled or being shamed. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of, I was going through grad school, so I didn't want to take too much stake in it. Um, but when I went to the, when I went to a very uh, renowned clinic in Minnesota, mm -hmm. uh, I challenged the neurologist who didn't hear of a DEEG, which is a certain type of EEG machine, okay. right? And I had that done to find out part of my brain is dormant. Um, when he said he'd never heard of it, then I kind of questioned him, and once I did that, then at the end of the day, that clinic in Minnesota wrote on my record while I was in grad school 
getting my fourth college degree, that the issue with me was that I wasn't well-educated and I had lower than average intelligence. Mm -hmm. That went on my medical file. When that was rubber-stamped, that gave every doctor permission to go ahead and say whatever they wanted to say about me. Okay. okay. So that follows suit. I stayed away from doctors for except taking normal medication, but got off the diagnosis wagon uh, and came out here. So it was about a two-year period where I just tried to decompress, you know. And I, I came out here, and my first encounter with the doctor was uh, being triggered. So I have frontal temporal dementia. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if people things get too confusing and there's a lot of stuff going on and I say, hey, stop, you know, I too much stimuli, right? So mm -hmm. it's external stimuli. So I tell these people that, but they keep going on and then they trigger me and I go into a, a little panic attack. Okay. Well, I come back later on that day and they tell me, well, you should have told us that you had dementia. Okay. And I'm kind of questioned that. So it is with this one clinic, it was just time and time again, I even had them refuse to treat me on medications that I was on when I was in Hawaii. It took, God, it's been almost a year and a half mm -hmm. to finally get on the medications that they should have put me on a year and a half ago. So we're kind of going back and forth on accountability. But the thing is, is that once you have something in your record, then just be aware because doctors will, it's been my personal experience that doctors will talk with each other and they will let the other doctors know that you're a complicated patient. Mm -hmm. I have been refused services by neurologists out here in trying to to rule out ASL, which is something very serious. Mm -hmm. And it's been a cluster. Um, I think my experience with Dr. Bullying, because I am who I am and have very strong personality, um, I stand up to them. Mm -hmm. But I have many clients and friends who don't, who can't, and they just get beat up. They get the wrong medication, wrong diagnosis. If they say something, then the doctor says, hey, don't like what I say, go see somebody else. Um, I think what we should do as patients is really stand up for ourselves. You know, we have patients' rights. We need to to read them mm -hmm. and to make sure that we're being treated that way. I think the more that we allow doctors to bully, the more that they are. And it's not that they're bad people. It's just there's many different avenues to get to be that type of a doctor, mm -hmm. right? I think we all start out, just like therapists, we all start out with good intentions. It's just somehow we get caught up in the chaos. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher, we are running out of time, but I know there are a few other things that we wanted mm -hmm. to talk about. Firstly, we wanted to talk about Sam, and mm -hmm. we wanted to talk about the fact that how service dogs should be treated. So why don't you tell us something about that? What do you think? How, how should service dogs be treated? How, how, what are the things that you would tell people? Okay, if you see a service dog, don't do this or do that. Uh, I appreciate that question. Mm -hmm. Sammy's been in service for seven years. He's, he's a great dog. Um, one of the things, when I first got him, uh, it was hard enough having to have a service dog. Mm -hmm. First, it's kind of a novelty, but then it's like, okay, no, I have a service dog. Um, it's a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. So if people out there, 
if you see us with service dogs, know that they're there for a reason mm -hmm. and it's very personal. Okay. Maybe we don't want to be reminded throughout the day that we have a service dog. Okay. So let us be. The other important thing is that service dogs, they have to pay attention to what they're doing. And they are dogs. They like treats. They like, you know, people whistling and this and that. They're trained not to. However, instinctively, you know, let's, let's give them a break. Let them do their job. If they're with a handler, just give them space and, mm -hmm. and let them work. And by all means, please don't approach us. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we want to say hi, we'll say hi. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's a very personal and private matter. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so. Okay. Um, Christopher, uh, we've, we've touched a lot of things, but um, I just want to ask you, is there anything that we didn't talk about today and you still want to talk about it uh, on record and tell us about something that we didn't touch yet or something like that? Yeah, I'd like to say something out there is that, you know, with childhood traumas, we have doctor bullying um, and even bullying outside. We have to remember that we're on this planet together no matter what. Mm -hmm. Right. And even though we have different points of views, different perceptual interpretations of the world, it all boils down to that we want to be happy and we want to have joy. We can't do that at the expense of other people. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we if we can remember that life is a responsibility and not an entitlement and be a little kinder to, to our brothers and sisters out there. And hopefully that'll just get reciprocated. Because like I mentioned, you know, our social evolution, we're kind of going in the wrong way. We're losing our heart and our empathy and compassion for mankind. Mm -hmm. And humanity really needs a big hug. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, just before closing, I want to ask you one more time. Is there anything else that we have not spoken about today and you want to talk to us about it? Or that that's, that's good, whatever we just, we've discussed? I would recommend, I would say this, you know, and if... You're a therapist out there or even an intern and you're interested in learning about childhood traumas and working in the field of childhood traumas, I would love for you to go on the website, get the number, give us a call. Um, and if you want to volunteer, that that would be great. I need volunteers. And you need volunteers. You need funding. I need funding. Need I need volunteers. This is a great thing happening and I would love more people to join. What is your website, if you could tell us? Um, yes. So that you remember and get in touch with you. Yeah. It is nfavct.org. That's short for National Foundation for Adult Victims of Childhood Trauma.org. Mm -hmm. And you can go on there. There's a little information. There's a button to click to donate. And there's a phone number there to call. So, yeah, okay. we'd appreciate it. Okay. Thank you so much, Christopher, for talking to us today and for giving us your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. for listening to this Our Town Reno podcast episode. Here we have stories about gentrification, life on the streets, the affordable housing crisis. Find us on Facebook at Our Town Reno, at OurTownReno.com, and on Instagram at Biggest Little Streets. Check back in for next week's episode or delve into our archives. And remember, 
help each other out.